everybody? Adam Nitty here with The Players Are Loud. Today is another special, special day. We've got the music man, the quintessential music man of our times, Mr. Billy Buchanan in the house. How are you, Billy? What's up, man? How you doing, man? So good to have you here. Um, One of the coolest things about this series for me uh, has been being able to uh, bring not only like the, the story of, of the music, you know, behind the songs, but man, these are longtime friendships. You know, you're like a brother to me. We've, we've known each other for forever. We played in <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> we, we've played in, in bands together. We've, we've toured together. Um, we've commiserated <laughs> together. We've, we've shared, shared a lot of each other's lives together. And um, I love how, you know, even though we can't be in the same room, I, I love how we've been able to connect in this way. And, and um, it's just, it's just fun, man, with the, the nostalgia and history of all this. So, man, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, man. So, yeah, I was actually thinking about, you know, what we were going to talk about. I was like, dude, there's so much we could dive oh, into. My goodness, like, literally, it could take like all day. I don't have enough room on my hard drive to really go through <laughs> all of it. That, and that, that's the truth. But yeah. um, but let, let me just start with kind of sharing with everyone. It, there's there's a unique story behind um, yeah. Beat of My Heart, which is which is the, the tune that, that you're heavily involved with on, on this record. This is the one tune on the album that that wasn't just my own composition. This is a, a co-write. But um, a lot of people don't realize how how old a song this is. Right. I mean, this is. This whole the whole guitar riff that that began this thing that was a long time ago. Yeah, I, I look back on so fondly is is how how vibrant the music scene was back in Atlanta where we both used to live mm-hmm. when all this stuff was going on. You were in a band in a, a band that everybody wanted to be in called called Skin Deep. You all enjoyed some some regional uh, success, some national success. Would you agree that was a time where you really got a lot of momentum? Oh, dude, I, I moved uh, to Atlanta um, in 1989 from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, so, you know, I'm a Midwestern boy, you know, <clears throat> and I, you know, I knew that I wanted to do music, you know, for a living. Didn't really know what that looked like. I just knew that I could sing and play guitar and play bass. And I wrote these songs, you know, so I moved to Atlanta. Um, my fr- I went to the uh, same place you went to AIM, the Atlanta Institute of Music. My first day going to school, I met uh, Nico Constantine. We know him as Nick. Was he I at Nick, AIM? Nico. Was, ne- was Nico at AIM? Was he no, Nick was going to, to Georgia State. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he was on the, I met him on the MARTA train. He was going to Georgia State. I was going to AIM. Wow. And I'm literally sitting there with my headphones on with my cassette player. <laughs> and I had my little cassette player and I had this uh, little carrying case that had all my cassettes in it. So Nick sits down and did, he just said, hey, man, he sits down and opens up the case. Now, he had oh, a little man. gig bag on him with his guitar, his freaking, you know, Greek boy, you know, his freaking shirts down here with his chest hairs <laughs> hanging out. And I'm this, I'm this, you know, I had, back then I was very Afrikan, you know, so I had like this little hat on, <laughs> looked like I should have been in a reggae band or something, you know. You know, back in the early 90s, everybody was into all that, you know. Yeah. Cultural Afrikan stuff. So I had all this, you know, my, my garb on. So this guy walks in, he's, he's not scared of me, he's not intimidated. He opens up my uh, cassette case, 
And he sees, at the time, I probably had Sade, I had Van Halen, I had Tears for Fears. It was all over the freaking place, you know? And he goes, wow, you're into all kinds of music. You need to come over and play with me and my drummer. Mm. And I said, and I'm like, really? He's a yeah, dude, he would love you. Um, so the next day, they meet me at, um, is it L- Lindsberg? What is it called? Marta Station. Um, oh, oh, gosh. My Atlanta chops. Lindsberg? I think it, I'm saying that wrong. There's something that feels weird about that. Lindsberg? Marta Station in Atlanta. Yeah, they pick me know. up. Him and Rob Clayton pick me up. We go back to the house. And they have, they have like three songs. They have riff for, riffs for and stuff, man. So, so they this play is literally them. the next day. Literally the next day. Crazy. So they pick me up. <clears throat> we go to back to Rob's house. They re- rehearse in his basement. And they sit down and start playing. And dude, my mind was blown. And it was the most, dude, honestly, man, you know I've been in some great musical situations. But this was the most organic. Mm. I can't explain. It's hard to explain to people how natural all this felt. They played these riffs. I immediately started writing. Like, immediately started writing melodies and words. And they looked at me like, oh. Because they didn't have that element. They just wrote these little ideas. Yeah. They didn't have a song man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I started writing. The first tune we wrote was a tune called Walked Out. And um, we would play that all the time in the early days. But so I'm thinking we're going to be a three-piece or whatever, you know. And then they tell me about this other guy they have that they kind of been putting on hold until they had the band together, the musical aspect of the band together. Um, so I'm a little disappointed inside because I'm like, I wanted to be the singer of this band, you know, because I knew that I wanted to sing. So I meet Terrence probably the next day or day after. And it just, he was, dude, he honestly was beginning to my yang. You know, he understood Prince and Terrence Trent Darby and all the funk stuff. So we were like, oh, in the time, we immediately connected on like Morris Day in the time. And, yep. and so we're talking about Terrence, Terrence Smith, just to, yeah, Terrence Smith just was to a qualify singer of the, the complete history here, great. Right, yeah. he, was the, he, was the, he was the singer of Skinny. Yeah. And you know, he, so yeah, man, this thing just came together so quick. And within six months, dude, we literally were the biggest fan in Atlanta. Like it was insane. It was insane. I remember. It was insane stuff. And, you know, I, I try to tell people what this was like for me, you know, as a 19, 20 year old. It was just craziness. But anyway, how you came into the pick, this is what I remember. Now you tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. We were at we were at Nick's house. And this at this point, Skinny would have probably been together um year and a half or two. Mm-hmm. Because was Rob already gone? Not, I don't think at that time, at this this particular moment in time, I don't, I don't okay. think so. Because I remember, I don't remember Rob. No, he did hear, yes, he did. He played on the first demo of Beat of My Heart. Anyway, yeah. so um, to clarify, folks are probably going gone. Our first yeah. drummer in Skindy died in a van accident. Yeah, and that's the time that came on. Yeah. Um, but um, so I remember you coming over to Nick's house. We were in the basement. And, you know, I didn't, it's so funny, man. You know, when you're young, you don't think about things in terms of co-writing and all this stuff. All you yeah. know is that we just came up with a cool song, right? right? Not right. thinking about all that stuff, but I just remember him sitting down and playing a riff, or you sitting down. What do y'all sat down and played the riff? Yeah, it was it was me. Nick gave me his guitar, and I was fooling around. Right, right. And 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 I I, I remember. I'm so glad. See, this is so cool because I was telling, I was trying to tell the story when, I, when we were talking to Tom, and I was trying to remember where we were. I remember yes, we're the moment vividly. I yep. remember us all sitting there. Yep. I couldn't remember where it was. And you're right. It was, it was Nick's house. It was Nick's yep. guitar. 
and I was messing around and, and back then, uh, you know, I'm still pretty much just a bass player, but I was writing and, um, and, and I I don't, Lord knows, I don't remember what we were plugged into, but there was some, some tone was inspirational from an overdrive perspective. and, And I was just messing with riffs. Yeah. Right. That's how it started. Yeah. So you played the rip. And it's funny because I don't think Nick thought it was going to go anywhere. Do you were just playing stuff. Yeah. And and I remember going, I want I, I already I could I immediately heard something in my head. I said, I want that. Give that yeah. to me and I'll make something out of this, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. From there, I don't know if we took it back to the skin deep house or whatever and yeah. came up with this tune. And I think, yeah, because we kind of unveiled it to you, right? Yeah, it was amazing, man. The the yeah. and talk about organic because so it started with noodling, right? And then yeah. coming up with the riff got somewhat because to me it sounded I'll tell you what I liked about yeah. it. So all we had was dun it had all this rhythmic interaction yeah. stuff. And yeah. I was like, there's some funk in that, y'all. There's some yeah. funk in it. I can do something with this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and and that's what that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. So we have it starts with with the riff. Um, it, you know, from a writing perspective, it's cool for people to hear because you know it's not always about everybody gets together, sits in a room, and a tune is necessarily right. done in that in that moment. That happens, right. but but it doesn't always happen that way. And and essentially, we we had a start to something. And then you went and finished it. And like you said, there was this moment of unveiling it at one point, which was, it, it was, it was so amazing because, you know, at, at the moment it was just a riff. It was just a riff. And there was, there was the, it, I kind of was, was hearing something rhythmically in my mind. You were hearing something rhythmically in your mind. Yeah. When it all finally came together, um, you know, you, man, one of, one of the things I love about you with, with your songwriting is you, you have a really great way of putting, I hope you take this the right way. It's like you put a nice little bow on things. So yeah. you, can, you, you take, you take different elements of a tune and you make them cohesive. That's, that's yeah. kind of what I mean by that. Yeah. And so you were able to take this, this riff, obviously you put this, this amazing melody on it and, um, and for those of you who haven't heard the tune yet, I cannot wait for you to hear the tune because it's one of my favorite favorite tracks on the record um, in terms of its of its forward moving energy, and uh, and yeah, the evolution happened in, in that way, and ultimately you guys did a a, a, a couple demos right, all, right before it was all said and done. Right. And um, I don't, I you'll have to refresh my memory, like the the latest version of the demo that was still pretty close to the first one, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, once I finished it, I didn't change. It was done, right? The all. arrangement never changed. I mean, changed the only change, it's funny because with your record, with your version of it on your new album, that's the most like changes it's had in right. forever. Sure. Right. Sure. That song, it's funny because it was like, I, ca- I call that song the, that was like Skin Deep's final phase. What I, what I mean by that is, <clears throat> When we came out, we really didn't have an identity. Really, we were just kind of everywhere. Everybody was, you know, Nick was the Ingve Malmsteen guy. Yeah, you yeah. had me the, you know, I was the pop soul guy. Terrence uh-huh. was definitely more of a funk dude. Rob was this kind of, I don't know, man. Rob was dude. I have never met anybody like that dude, guy. Dude, how do you describe he, him? I mean, he, he was all he was all over the place, but he, but he was a metalhead. But he loved yep. he loved funk. He loved reggae. He loved he was he was a 
man, yeah, I just man. But um, so when when we finished that, I don't, I don't, I think that's kind of where Skindy stopped as far as our musical. It was a real nice mixture of everything that we were trying to be. It had the rock element, the soul element was there, all the cool harmonies and. You know, King's X had been out at that point, yeah. so we definitely brought in that influence. And so, yeah, man, I, I really look fondly on that tune because it, it really did kind of sum up, if you're talking about putting a bow, that yeah. tune, along with a few others, kind of put a bow on that part of my life, you know, the right. skinny phase, you know. And um, so, yeah, and I've always, I'm so glad that you recut this tune because I always felt like it it needed to be resurrected. You yeah, know? I'm, um, man, it, it it excites me so much, really, to to have it because it's you know almost like for this for selfish reasons almost there's like the, there's the wonderful nostalgia of it and kind of yeah. um, bringing that bringing what was cool from that from that um, era back yes. into what's what's happening now and then the other thing was just to be able to kind of reimagine it. Um, in a slightly different context, but but keeping the same spirit. And you and, did it's freaking great. Oh, thank you, man. That whole uh, instrumental section in the middle, I'm like, how in the world did he get here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, man, I was like, this is freaking great. Well, I'm this super freaking proud amazing, of it. man. Yeah, it was freaking awesome. I'm super everything. Everything feels right. It doesn't. Yeah. Nothing feels forced. Because do you know how it is, man? With a lot of instrumental records, man, you get guys who are instrumentalists. And to me, when they start singing and crap, what it sounds like is they came up with this really cool instrumental tune. Oh yeah, I'm gonna put some vocals on it. Uh, yes, yeah. It doesn't, I know exactly what you mean. doesn't sound like that at all. Man, me. that I hearing you say that. Dude, it doesn't such, sound like that at all. I mean, I was like, I, was, I ain't gonna lie, dude. I was a little scared. I was, like, oh, I was too. I was too <laughs> because your 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 concerns. Uh, that's exactly that was my perspective because this is my first time doing a record like this, at yeah. least under my name. And, and, and the thought of like, what are people going to think of this? How is this going to come across? It's like, you know, you know how it is. You write a tune, you've got, you got kind of a personal relationship with it. You yeah. know what it's about, you know, where it's coming from. You don't always, you can't always predict what people are going to perceive oh, yeah. a tune to be. You don't, you don't always know how it's going to be, how it's going to be received. And I was so nervous and I look up to you so much as a, as a writer and as a, and, and as a musical visionary and producer, just having, before even getting to this point right now, which you, you've made my week already. So thank you. <laughs> but, but even before getting to this point, just kind of getting, uh, letting you know, kind of what I was thinking, getting your blessing and, you know, what do you think of this idea? You know, you were you were all about it from the beginning, and that was really yeah. encouraging to me. And well, here's, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let your your followers in on a little secret. Uh oh. So we finished tracking this new version of the song. Um, now you don't know that. I don't know if you know this or not, Adam. But when I cut the vocals for that, I literally cut them in a closet. So you know, I do. I play in the villages, um, which is a this big 55 and over community in, in Florida. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I play a lot of the music in the fifties and sixties. So they just love what I do. Um, but anyway, so I'm in the middle of this run, but I know I gotta get these vocals done. So I pack up all my gear. Cause I was standing at this, <laughs> at the time, this is right. This is before the pandemic, of course. Um, I was, I worked out this arrangement with this, with this senior citizen home where they would let me stay, you know, rent free, if you will. And, all I would have to do is entertain the residents once a week. 
Okay. Oh, wow. So, so I'm in this room. It's real dead in there and everything. So I set up my freaking gear and put my um, little, my vocal thing to do inside the closet, set up my mic. And I sing this entire thing. I'm screaming. Oh, my this, goodness. I'm screaming in this old folks home, man. <laughs> and I'm <you> know, <laughs> rocking out trying to get this thing cut for you. Oh, my God. You stuff, and you're like, oh, it sounds great. I'm like, if he only had, if he had, if he, if he had an idea of how I did this, he'd be freaking cracking up. I had no but, idea. That's, that's, that's how I cut crazy. it. Dude. But, but here's what your, your followers don't know is that I had cut the vocals. Now, when you listen to the tune, you'll see Adam sings in the verses, and then I sing the hook, the choruses. But originally, I sang all of it. Right. So Adam hits me up one day. <laughs> I'm telling this story. So a- after it's done, well, I think it's done, Adam <laughs> hits me up and he's like, hey, man, um, and you, I mean, you're dancing around it, dude. You're trying to figure <laughs> out how you're going to best ask me this. You're like, oh, I was man, nervous, um, man. I was nervous. Oh, um, man, would you, would you mind, man, if I um, gave the vocals a shot in the verse? I'm like, I don't care, man. <laughs> You're like, you know, you get pissed or something. I don't care what you do. It's your record. You need to feel comfortable. I know it's not going to suck, you know? Because yeah. what they don't know is when we were in Beehive, you sang all the time. Right, right. Like, Adam was like, I mean, I was the lead singer. But no, there were tunes you actually had some lead on. Yeah, there were some. Yeah. What was that tune, man, that you kind of had the, oh, uh, you remember that tune? Like, you had your moment. It was yeah. like the Adam vocal moment. Yeah, um... What was that Gosh, tune called? I, I needed to do research before yeah, yeah. this interview. But anyway, you're taking I it knew back. you could sing. I mean, you're, you know, a lot of your, the cats who follow you probably don't know that, but I already knew you could sing. So when you when you came to me asking if you wanted to, if you could sing, it's your record. I know you can sing. You're not going to freaking make me look bad or nothing. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was <laughs> hilarious. Well, man, you were so gracious with that. And I really was nervous about asking you about it because man, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I want to be respectful. This, this wasn't just my tune, you know, this, this was, this was a collective effort. And, um, Billy is an established vocalist. Everybody knows Billy's an amazing singer. Like, like Billy said, I'm not known for that as all. So it was like, <laughs> you know, it was, it, it, it was so cool for me. Um, because, this really is a thing that it, it became kind of like a family affair with, with the tune. And, and we got Tom on there from, you know, who was in Beehive and in Skin Deep. And, yeah. and then um, uh, I got w- one of my favorite guitar players, Marco Spoli from, from Italy, he laid down this ridiculous gu- guitar solo in the song. And I just kind of, as the arrangement was building, I had him in mind because I knew he would have the attitude and the grace combined attitude and grace to kind of make it soar wow and um and i you play the riff yeah yeah so i did all the guitars except for the solo yeah that's unbelievable dude (laughs) that's impressive man oh man it's it was ambitious but so you um, told you told me this was the hardest record you ever recorded oh man by far yeah this i've never done anything you know as as difficult as the you know the the contempo fusiony type stuff is is to play and yeah. and you know a lot of that let's face it you know a lot of that kind of music is it's it's kind of structured around that the the pyrotechnics of it you know like yeah. that's that's kind of part yeah. of it you know that's that, that's cool it's what pe- musicians enjoy that yep one thing that you know I've, I've been telling everybody it's been it's been a theme of of this series and it's been a massive blessing to me um you know 
this record originally, you know, the idea, like we were just talking about, the idea was to get a, you know, a bunch of guest singers, a bunch of guest guitar players, keyboard drummers and everything. And I was going to assume kind of the same role as my instrumental records. I was going to be the bass guy, composer, you know, mad scientist kind of, kind of yeah. behind the scenes. But, but as, as the pre-production process kept, kept moving forward, it was only because of the encouragement from people like you and, and, um, other other players I was sharing the music with you know, like my the demo versions of my tracks where I was doing yeah. the guitar the vocal, it was it was truly because of the encouragement of people like you and and Tom Shane Terrio Scott Bernard you know mm. these people that I really trust and I look up right. to and I know that like in your in your case if um if the vocal was super subpar I know you would have told me. Yeah, man. Maybe, you know, in a nice way. Maybe you wouldn't have told me in a nice way. It wouldn't have been in a nice way, bro. Yeah, you wouldn't have. I would have shut you down. Nah, bro. But, 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 you know, all kidding aside, you you know, I, we would have had a conversation and I I would have, you know, I I would have out of, out of care for the record, I would have wanted to, to move in whatever direction was going to be the best for it. So I just want to thank you for, for your encouragement, man. It means a lot. Hey, dude, one thing I do want to say, um, it was really cool of you to sample um, the old bridge. Oh man. See, a lot of people don't know this. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to talk about that, yeah. Yeah, at the very beginning of Beat of My Heart, you'll hear this old record sounding part. That was the bridge um, of the original version of Beat of My Heart. So when Adam was recording it, I guess he didn't feel like it fit anymore. So, um, (laughs) So he removes it out of the song, but he, he gave us a little nod. And yeah. I thought that was really cool that you put that at the beginning of the song. Yeah. You know, Terrence's voice is there, my voice, Tom's voice is there. It was really, yeah. really cool that you did that. Yeah. And all the old Skin Deep fans, they get it. Like Jim Garitano, he immediately Yeah, comedy, yeah. You know, saying, dude, that was awesome. You know, so yeah. that's cool that you did that, man. Yeah, and cool. that's I I I appreciate you saying that. That really was um that was one of those things that was sort of fleeting shot into my mind as ran out of nowhere because I was, I was so engrossed in, in the arrangement. I had already kind of forgotten about the old arrangement, but I wonder if it was divine inspiration to to put it there. Um, Because now it's even more, um, what am I trying to say? It's even more sentimental to me now than it even was before Mm. having that, that there. And then, what you just mentioned, having all of your voices there. And also yeah. too, um, for me personally, it also pays tribute to um, the memory of Rob as as yeah. well, yeah. you know, because he was part of that that era, you know, right. even though he he left us too soon yeah. um, because he, that boy could sing. <laughs> he had, oh my goodness. He was an amazing. Yeah, I, yeah man, I, yeah, meeting Rob Clayton, like literally, you know, you, we can all go through our lives and we can think of certain people that kind of came along and just really changed our trajectory a lot. Yeah. He was, for me, man, he was exactly what I needed at that time, man. Cause he was, he was young and hip and all those things, but he was such a freaking pro, man. And I'll never forget the conversation we had. We were coming up with some vocal part for some tune. And I guess I kept singing the minor thirds. And he's like, it's supposed to be a major third. And I was like, what are you talking about? 
He said, it's supposed to be a major third. You're singing a minor third. And I couldn't even get my head wrapped around. <laughs> I was just one of those dudes who would just sing, you yeah. know? And, and he just made me think about everything, you know? He made me, but it wasn't just, like, it wasn't just the education stuff. He was the field dog. We all know that. But he, when it came to musical theory, you know, he, this guy was so, man. so he would challenge me on so much stuff. And it just made me go, okay, dude, if you're going to do this for real. So, you know, he came along. Then, of course, guys like you and, you know, it just blew my freaking mind. that I really had to like, okay, I cannot just rely on my natural gifts. Here. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to, you know, figure out what I'm doing here. But yes, yeah, yeah, man, what a crazy journey. But Atlanta you know, was so cool in the 90s, man. It, was, it really was, man. I, I try to explain that to people. I mean, all these bands that came out of there, the David Ryan Harris's and mm. um, William Duvall with Alice in Chains, and yeah. of course, all the big acts like uh, TLC and Usher and the Black Crows. And all this came out while we were freaking there, man. Yeah. While yeah. we were in that city playing. It's insane, man. It's insane, you know? Yeah. And, to be able to say that I played shows with so many of those artists, you know, and was able to pick their brains and yeah, man, it's, and you know, the coolest part about it for me is to be, you know, 20 years removed from that and to be able to still see that so many of us are still in the game. Amen. And doing well, you know, I mean, yeah. you, and I mean, there's so many guys like Tom, I mean, so many guys who are, who are right, you know, smack dab in the middle of that. Yeah. Like David, check this out. David um, Ryan Harris came to, I live in Florida for you folks who don't know. I live in St. Augustine. David Ryan Harris came into that show in St. Augustine about a year and a half, two years ago, and put me on as the opening act. Oh, so cool. It was really cool because it was an acoustic thing. He was just doing this acoustic yeah. tour and put me on. I opened up, did my thing. We told stories about Atlanta and the whole deal. He came up, did his set. It was just freaking great. That and must have like, been fantastic. Yeah, man. It was like, Hey guys, uh, guitar player for John Mayer here, folks. Buddy of mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, you you just reminded me. I mean, I, I remember uh, uh, Jennifer Nettles band opening for right. us. Opening right. Opening for Dude, us. You know, won, it was like. Do you remember when we won? Um, we won best R&B band at the Atlanta Music Awards. Yeah. And they were on that bill. Soul Miner's daughter, Jennifer Nettles band at the time, was on that yeah. bill. One like. Remind people yes. who Jennifer Nettles is. Yeah. She's um Jennifer Nettles is in what's her was Sugarland. Sugarland, yeah. Sugarland. That's her country group now. Yeah. And yeah. now she's doing some, she's hosting some show with Snoop Dogg on I saw TNT, that. I saw TBS that. or TNT or yeah. something. But um um yeah, she won they won an award the same night we did that night. I'm not gonna even mention the year because it was a freaking <laughs> thousand years. We can ago. we can keep that off the, the <laughs> But yeah, man, just you know, so yeah. Nothing, nothing shocks me. This, you know, nothing surprises me because I've really seen the greats, man. I've seen, yeah. you know, what I mean, so that's that, that's really cool to be able to say that, you know. So I want I want people to understand, you know, I I get I get people like you on this on this series, and you know, maybe for a moment from the outside, it's like, ah, oh, look at them just waxing poetic about the old days or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason that the reason we talk about this. And the reason I love bringing this up is because it's, I feel like it's important for people to understand how much things have changed in terms of music and just the model of, of how we consume and enjoy music. Mm. I, from our stories alone, you can tell there was a very interactive, organic thing that went along 
with with making music you know it it's that doesn't happen like it used to right. in, in the in uh, the in the lot in the club scene it's not the same right. in the recording scene it's not the same as, right. as it used to be i'm not going to sit here and tell you oh it was so much better back then but but I feel like when you hear, you know, Bill talk and I feel, I feel it when I'm talking, it's like, there's, you can tell the passion that, that is still there right. that, that was really nurtured and, and yes. fueled on by the activity of our, of our surroundings. And more than anything else, I can say that, that that particular period when we were in, in, in bands together and, and other mm -hmm. bands that were relationally doing, doing similar things, uh, I was learning all the time. Yeah, you know, no. I was always learning from from how I would watch you. I would watch uh, Skin Deep like, like a hawk. You know, I'm looking at I'm I'm analyzing everything from the stage presence, you know, the the crafting of the show to the banter in between songs. I'm watching yeah, you play bass, and I'm going. I'm I'm listening to the tone. I'm I'm trying to to soak it all wow. in, and and something that I think that, that our generation shares with, with each other. And I'm not saying this doesn't exist now because I, I do get the fortune of, of working with students at Belmont university. And I see them with this, although it's not the more common thing, mm -hmm. man, we were always just th that whole concept of, of we want to make it in the music industry. Like we took that into the entire identity. I want to make it as a bass player. In other words, I want to be the best that I can be. I want to, I want to make it as a singer. I want to be the best singer I can be. We, we were sponges, man. We were, we were soaking up everything we could get our hands on. And, yeah. and we gotta, we gotta keep that energy alive, especially if, if we are, you know, as we become more legacy type artists, you know, as days go on, however yeah. you want to call it, um, what we impart on this younger generation is, is so important. And I don't ever want that passion to get lost in, in yeah. that communication, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also, man, I, I want to add this is it'd be one thing, you know, uh, Remember Napoleon Dynamite, the movie that that movie? Oh yeah. You remember Un Uncle Rico? And all they would do is talk about the past. Yes. And being able to throw that football over the mountain and all that. Yeah, man. We're not doing that. Because the only reason we're here, first of all, is to talk about your new record. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We forgot about that. <laughs> right. We're here talking about a new record. What I'm what I'm, yeah. what I'm trying to say is we're still so creative, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sitting, I was just went through this whole ordeal where I lost all this music on my hard drive and I've been trying to recover all this because I'm in the middle of making this new record and I thought I had lost everything that I had freaking recorded and it was a mess, but I retrieved a lot of it. But anyway, we're always creating and, and, and still in the game. And so looking back, man, we're just talking about what made us, man. Yeah. I mean, that scene yeah. made me the musician that I am, man. I cut Absolutely. my teeth on that scene, man. I learned everything that I know about the music business, being in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, so that's all we're talking about here, man. And that's right. And there's nothing wrong with talking about good times, man. But yeah, we lived there and we were trying to be those guys still. Mm -hmm. Well, that would be a wreck. Ah. <laughs> that would yeah. be a train wreck. We're not doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one thing I would say, man, also is that the cool thing about songwriting, and and I'm really glad that you approached your new album. It just sounds like, sound like songs, man. I mean, it's just so cool. I was like, these are songs. Like uh, the world is loud as a song. It's not, okay. it's not freaking some guy waking off trying to. It, it's it's a song, man. I was like, thank you, Adam. <laughs> I was really, I was afraid I was going to get on here and just rag on you, man. Yeah. Why are you, 
No, it was the great tunes. Thank and, you. And what was my point I was trying to make? Um, dang it. I'm getting old, folks. See, I'm forgetting Ooh. stuff. You see this? You see what happened here? <laughs> what happened to all of you? Um, no, man. It's you know you put you put the songwriting craft first on the record, and yeah. um, that says everything to me about your maturity and, and where you're at now as, a, as an artist. You know. Thank so, you so it's been much. Great, man. Well, you know, I, you're, I, I've mentioned before how this album, you know, really wanted to be, you know, a tip of the hat to to my influences from the music that really made me. Yes. But what's so awesome is that included in that group are are all of you players that are a part of this. Mm-hmm. And and so it's it's a tribute to, to you all as well, uh, as well Dude, for, for your influence. You got a Ty Tabor thing going on, bro. Man, you're the second person who said Dude, that. man. Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool. Man, you got to talk about Beehive because you and I spent okay. so much time in uh, busted up Indian bands land, yeah. and and nasty clubs. And <laughs> I'm I'm half kidding. We there were some wonderful times. That was a that was a true brotherhood yes. uh, of a band. Um, still, probably the most fun I've ever had in, in a band. Yeah. Ditto, in, man. So so well, you got to talk about how that how that started yeah. and all that. Well, Beehive was the band that I uh, put together after Skin Deep. Because by the end of Skin Deep, I knew that I wanted to sing these songs that I was writing. Because I've always been the writer of the band, but I wasn't the lead singer, right? So I knew I wanted to put a band together that I was the singer of, you know? And, um, <clears throat> and you know, and it's funny because, you, again, you, 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 as you grow, you realize, okay, you know what? I want to do more of this. I don't want to be as rocky as I was or mm. whatever. You kind of start figuring out your thing, right? And I knew I wanted a funk band, you know? And um, so I start... I just, you know, it was look. Tom was the first guy I went to because Tom was in Skin Deep with me, yeah. and I knew he loved that music. And I said, "Hey, dude, if I put this other band together, would you play drums in it?" He's like, "Dude, whatever you do, I'm there." You know, he, he was right on board. And then D, uh, who was the first guitar player, um, I ran into D. The funniest thing, I had met D on the Atlanta scene. He was a guy who used to come see Skin Deep all the time, and I'm in my if I remember the story correctly, I'm in my front yard in Stone Mountain, Georgia, cutting my grass, and I see D walk by going down the street. So I start and say, D, he said, hey, man, so what are you doing? He's like, I live down the street. <laughs> so he had just moved into his room and, um, with this gal, an old friend of ours. He was uh, renting a room from her. So immediately I was like, oh yeah, that guy, I knew that he was real versatile. I remember that about D, he could like play all these different styles and he was weighing, and he was he was Puerto Rican. So he brought that other cultural thing. I was like, yeah. okay, this is perfect. So I, I went to him and I said, hey man, you want to come audition for this band? And he, you know, he, he's just, he just sat out and I just knew he was the guy, you know? And the first bass player in Beehive um, was a guy named Mike Hartman, who's gone on to do great things too as yeah. a writer and a player. He's here in he's here in Nashville now. He's in Nashville. That's right. He's killing it. He's amazing. Killing it. You know, um, what did I meet Mike? I don't even remember where I met Mike first, but dude, he was a savant too. I mean, he was young then too, probably eighteen, something yeah. like that, nineteen at the most, and. Dude, he was the funkiest white guy I'd ever met at that point. You know, I was like, what is going on, man? Yeah. And um, he was actually real integral um, in those early days of Beehive as far as the writing stuff. Like, tunes like Show You Right. Um, what else? Um, I'll give me some of the early stuff, man. He wrote a lot of those riffs and stuff. He was, he was, he was just, 
he would just bring these ideas to me. And I was, you know, I've always been that guy that could just take stuff and like you said, put it together, you know? Yeah. So he was, we, we did that for a bit. For, I don't know, maybe a year or so. And then he left and that's when you came on board. Mm -hmm. And because at the time, D was still there and Tom, right? That's right. So you, yeah. you came in right after Mike. And, yeah. um, and that's when we started touring around and stuff. And, and then eventually Tom left and, um, um, who do we bring on next? Would it have been Dwayne? Dwayne, Dwayne Holloway. Holloway. Yeah. And that was that was the core for a long time. That, yeah. That me, you, D Rosario, and Dwayne Holloway. And yeah, we were killing the Southeast and yeah, you know, making booties wiggle. You know what I'm saying? That's what we do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, looking um, back, man, um I, when I know with, with skin deep, I remember um and I, I I, I hate to keep going back to that band, but, but there's, there's so much that, again, that originated out of that, out of that, that yeah. era. But what I want to ask about is not really related to skin deep as much as it is in general. Cause I'd love to get your, your take on this, but everybody kind of took for granted that that, that, that band was just going to rise to the top and be yeah. sell millions of records yeah. and all that other stuff. So did we. You guys, <laughs> you, guys um, you kind of hit a, I don't mean this demeaning, but no, you, guys, dude. you guys kind of Tell hit it. a plateau yep. with, with the success and it, it, you couldn't, you couldn't get above it. And, yeah. and I mean, I feel like we experienced a similar thing in beehive. Like we, we hit a plateau. It, it was hard to, to get to the next rung yeah. on the ladder. Man, what's your perspective? Is, is it, is it luck? I have, is I have it a who lot you of know? Like what, what is keeping things from not doing well? What's allowing things to do well? Just, do you have a philosophy about that based on the business? Yeah. The longer I mean, I'm around, know. I think, what I think I know, I realize I don't know anything about. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. Well, here's my, here's my take. First of all, I think the biggest issue is personnel and personal stuff. Now, what I mean by that is when everything's good, and everybody, you know, you're the most popular band on the scene and you're opening up for Van Halen and Allison Chains. Everything was great, you know? Even, the, even though we were dealing with some in, internal stuff that I'm not going to go into as far as personal stuff, you know? There was definitely some of that there. But when things are good, you'll do whatever to make it work, right? But like you said, when you hit that plateau and you're starting to, like, be like this, like, bar band that's what when we ended we were kind of a bar band we were yeah. doing these like two and three night stints at places doing covers and all that not that doing covers is bad but yeah we lost our direction you know we yeah. it just kind of fell apart and i think now let me ask me, you real quick can, forgive me i i, I want to interrupt because and i i, I want to let you continue your thought but but yep. that's that's an important point because i remember going to shows to see you guys yep. doing those covers just really quick was that out of necessity to pay bills or were you guys just kind of, was it more of a floundering trying to figure out what you I Yeah, I do. You got to remember too, man, when we were, and we're going to show our age a little bit when I say this, but you got to remember, man, once Seattle came into play, mm. that whole grunge thing, mm. a lot of us, man, were literally like, you know, flopping around trying to figure out how do I fit into this? Because all that other stuff was gone. Yeah. Okay. It, se it seemed like in a freaking day. Yeah. Right? Really, it does. Yeah. It, it was so weird. It's like, see, as soon as I saw the, I'll never forget this, man. I went home one Christmas. This would have probably been, it was early 90s sometime. Went home for Christmas, turned on MTV, and I'm sitting there at, at my bed in my old bedroom at my mom's house. And I had been hearing about this band. 
And I, turn I know on what you're going to say. I bet I know. I, turn on, I've, been, I've been hearing about this band. I turn on MTV and the video for Smells Like Teen Spirit came exactly. out. Bro, exactly. Bro, I literally remember. I do too. Think, I remember thinking this thought. This is going to change everything. Yeah. And it did. Because I knew that we weren't that. I knew that we weren't that kind of band. The thing that we were doing was from another period, man. And that's the only yeah. way I can put it. And I saw that and I said, this is a freaking game changer. Because, dude, here's, I don't know how you felt, but I liked it. Yeah, I, I did too. I didn't want to tell anybody I liked it, but I did. No, bro, I'll tell you why <laughs> I liked it, man. Because you know me, I'm a melody guy, man. Yeah. So when they dropped it to hello, 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 I was like, holy freaking crap, man. Yeah. I just, it was so, you know, I can put my finger, I can, I can remember moments like this for certain bands and I heard them and I knew this was going to be game changing crap. I didn't under, fully understand it, but I knew it was yeah. going to change things. Yeah. I remember hearing King's X for the first time thinking that. I remember hearing Hendrix for the first time thinking that. I remember freaking hearing Amy Winehouse and thinking that. Oh, yeah. Like, what is this freaking music, you yeah. know? Artists come around like that, man, and they just change everything. Right. So I saw that Nirvana video, dude, and I went back to Skin Deep and I said, Bro, we're in a world of trouble. Mm. I just knew because we didn't know how to navigate out of that, man. Yeah. So we started wearing flannel shirts. <laughs> yeah. We started doing all that crap, you know, and it's, it wasn't our bag, man. And so. Yeah. And, and just, parlay that because I didn't want to cut off your other idea because you were talking about. Yeah. You know, that the, the yeah, about to get into thing. It. So yeah. I just want to make so, sure that I let you finish that idea. Right. So we were, you know, we were dealing with that whole thing, the musical mm. aspect of it. But then we didn't have the. It was like, man, there's been other bands that I've been in since Skin Deep and Beehive where it was kind of a, kind of a forced family kind of thing um, where in, you know, we had some successes. But once that success was over, there wasn't enough. There wasn't this. And I don't know the guys in bands like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some great band bands that we grew up listening to, like R.E.M. Mm -hmm. or where you just kind of always felt like it was these four guys who were just moving in the same direction. They were all writing together. They were all, it was just this family. And so they went through all the ups and downs of the music business together, but they were in it because they were, it was REM, you know? Yeah, because, yeah. Well, for me, there've been bands I've been in where we were just in this band because the band had opportunities to do well for whatever reason. Maybe we had good management. We, you know, somehow fell into a record deal, whatever it was. So we rode that thing while it was successful and we were all good. But once you had to fight for it, it was like, you know what? I'm not really wanting to fight for this because there's other things that I want to do. Mm. I think that's what happened with Skin Deep um, because, you know, we were, we were all getting a little old, not older, like old, but we were getting to that age where I need to make some long-term decisions. Yeah, yeah. Is this yeah. what I want to do long-term musically or do I really want to, figure out my thing. And I know that's where I was at. Yeah. Um, by the time I left Skin Deep and started Beehive, I knew in my head, you know what? There's some other things musically that I want to do. And I want to kind of be a little bit more a master of my own domain, if you will. You know, I just wanted to, to, to set my course more. And, you know, yeah. we, were, we were so young when we started that band, you know. Now with Beehive, you know, it was a different thing because I don't know if you remember this, Tom left because he got the TLC thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And then um, so it was kind of like we had all these talented guys who were kind of falling off doing other things. Mike Hartnett left. 
because he was doing other stuff. I don't even remember. Was it just me, you, and D for a while? And who was in our drummers were changing. Well, when, yeah, we were we were we were essentially doing uh, glorified auditions with rehearsals, I guess. Um, right. Because we we did play with several drummers. I don't remember doing shows. Yeah, necessarily. But we That's did true. Track, we did a lot of rehearsals, I thought, with, with but you know what, the, drummers. you know, I don't know how you vision or how you remember the end of Beehive, but I just kind of remember just like. I don't know, man, I, I knew what I wanted to do and we just weren't on the same page. Like, uh, I don't know what we're doing here. And it just kind of fizzled. I don't even remember the band ever really ending. Right. <laughs> no, no, that's that. That's true. You know, it just kind of fizzled. We all went off to our own thing. We always, obviously, always stayed in touch, and so I don't, you know, the band really never broke up. That's why we can get together and yeah, and still kill it because it's always still part of who we are and what we, a big part of. I mean, it's always gonna be a part of, of yeah. me for sure. You know, you know, it's it's almost the the cliche analogy, right? Like people talk about, oh, being in a band, it's like being in a marriage. But man, it's in a lot of ways it, it really yeah. is because when you think about a marriage and um, you make this commitment, it, it usually starts out all flowery and exciting, yeah. right? You got the honeymoon yes. period and all that where the mar marriage doesn't really get tested until you start walking through the fire with somebody. Right. And when you're in a band four, three, four or more individuals, yep. um, it's hard enough with two individuals mm but you take three or four individuals and put them together when you start to go through trials and, and tribulations and let alone the internal struggles that may be going on yeah. you know, with everybody personally. And that's a, that's a topic for another time, but right. um, it's, it's, it's difficult and you gotta, I'm not going to sit there and say, well, we didn't want it to succeed bad enough, you know, or anything. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that simple. I think it really is sometimes trials can be good because they take you to a place where they force you to, to be at a crossroads and they force you to make a decision that is, that is tough to make about which direction you feel like you're being called in. Right. right. Um, a lot of people are in band. I, man, I've seen this so many times, especially when it's shrouded in success. There's a lot of, there's, there's players out there that likes kind of like hiding in the success. Cause it's like, it's an escape from, Yep. having to make a decision. Like I could totally see finding a comfort zone in a successful band where you're a member and just kind of like taking for, Oh, this is, I don't have to worry about anything anymore. I'm in this band and it's going to take care of this and that and the other thing. Yeah. And I don't want to have to worry about figuring out an alternative way to make a living or, or, you know, work with other musicians. And, and um, like that is, that's, that's a way of looking at it. That's almost more like safe, you know, super safety, maybe to the point of escapism um, until you're faced with something that like the band ending or, you know, Lord forbid a band member gets really sick and you can't mm -hmm. tour anymore and stuff like that. Right. I guess where I'm going with this is that to, if you make it, if you know kind of what your identity is or what, um, where you're being pulled to actually stay, uh, stay in your lane when the lane gets bumpy and the roads all busted up. I mean, it's yeah. just not easy for anybody. Right. And, um, you know, we, we were fortunate in Beehive because we all had a we all had a faith connection as well, yeah. you know, yes, right. and not everybody realizes that, you know, yeah. uh, we, we weren't we weren't considered like a faith based band. But, right. but we we shared the same like moral convictions and, and yes. spiritual convictions. And and man, that was a lifesaver for me out there. man. I agree. I agree. 
because it's it's tough. You yeah, know? Honestly, that's why I picked the people. Honestly, dude, that had a that was a huge part of the, of picking the players for that band. Yeah, because I knew that I didn't want to be a you know CCM band per se, but right. I knew that I wanted the guys around me to get where I was coming from and what I was trying what I was trying to do. You know, yeah. I don't know if you remember this. A lot of the write ups they say like there there's this amazing up with people kind of band. That's what they would yeah. call it. Like, yeah, this like. You know, we would always get the this real positive band, and dude, that's all I that's all I wanted, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. if I'm putting a little sunshine in the world, then I'm doing my job, man. Um, one thing I wanted to say, dude, is that another thing is that, man, if you don't sit down as a band and you really talk through, you know, it's kind of like when you're in a business and you're like, okay, so what is our what is what are we trying to accomplish in this business, you know? Um, I don't know whether it be you, I don't know, man, whatever it is you, you know, I watch Shark Tank and stuff, you know, so they'll come up there and they'll do their pitch and they got to have their whole game plan together and stuff. And, you know, we never did that. I mean, we didn't even know how to do that, yeah. you know? So everybody's in their own heads has this different idea of what success looks like for the band and where the band's going and everybody's got their agenda if you're not on the same page, bro, you can forget it, man. Yeah, so You can true. forget it, you know? And um, I think that most of the bands that I've ever been in were guilty of that. And I, I'm probably the guiltiest party because I've always got a freaking agenda. <laughs> you know, especially back then, I was always trying to finagle things and make things happen and, yeah, you yeah. know, all that crap, you know? And, um, and there's nothing wrong with being a planner, man. Absolutely. And having vision yeah. and all that. But you got to get everybody on board with the vision. And when they're not on board, everybody's pulling in different directions. Yeah. It will never work. You know, yeah. we, I think as, as creatives, there are exceptions out there. Um, but I think as creatives in general, it's not really our nature to, to think in that, in that business perspective. True. As much. Very true. We're, we're very, um, we may have, we, we may be visionaries and have these, these grandiose sort of like long range um, aspirations. Right. But we just want to, I speak for myself anyways. It's like, I just want to, I don't want to do a business plan. I just want to get, I just want to work on it. Yeah. Let me do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, I don't want to think about the, what, you know, pacing it out. I just, I just want to do it. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, there's this, there's this need to kind of take the inspiration, the momentum of the inspiration. Let me roll with that. That's enough in a business context. And if you're trying to make a living doing what we're yeah. doing, that is going to hurt you. And I've, yeah. I've burned myself many times coming up as a as an aspiring business oriented musician or whatever because of my own weakness in that way as mm. a short-sighted creative and it yeah. it's it's taken it's taken people on the outside namely my my wife has been she's been beating it into my my head for years you know it's um she had a client one time it was they were talking about my my career and just the challenges of it and stuff like that years ago and, and he was a business expert, you know, long time retired. This is a, you know, money just kind of falls off, off his cuff links, you know, just moving his arms around. Yeah. Um, but it, I, it wasn't just about money for this person. Don't get me wrong, but he made a statement. He said, you know, it sounds like your, your husband is um, he's, he's not really, he's not really running a business. He's just kind of entertaining a vision. Uh, and that, mm. I'm paraphrasing. I get it. Yeah. It was, it was profound. It was like, you, you don't run a business like you do, um, 
write a song, you right. know, I, I, I'll just strictly off of inspirational right. momentum. It, and, right. and that that stuck with me and I still am working at it, but you know what the greatest, the greatest thing that's helped me the most is finally being willing to delegate other things to other people and just recognize yes, my weaknesses. Yeah. Look, I, I'm, I suck at this particular aspect of right. the business. It's better if, if this person does it, right. let me pay them to do this instead. Right. I know I finally, after all these years, feel like I got a grip on what, what my skills are and what they, even more importantly, what they are not, you know? Yeah. So I think a lot of the bands that we've been in in the past, I think that's, at the end of the day, that is what hurts us <clears throat> or hurt us is that we didn't have that, that, you know, you want to be in a band that's successful. Well, you can't have success, man, if you don't have, if you can't listen, man, here's, that's why you have great managers and booking agents out there. People who think monetarily, who are thinking, you know, what's, what's this going to look like a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, Lord willing, they're still together. What's this going to look like? And we, we didn't have anybody like that in our camp. You know, it was just us. And we we're, like you said, we were just a bunch of creative knuckleheads who just wants to rock out and, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, where, where's that going to go? You know, yeah. um, there was no, I mean, did I remember going, not, you weren't as dumb as you think you were because you, <laughs> you used to say stuff to me like, we, we, we would do gigs and you'd be like, so we're getting paid how much? <laughs> and how are we going to like, pay, are we going to get paid and how are we going to put gas in the van? And, <laughs> I didn't think about any of that. Oh, they're going to pay us something? We're going. Right, know? right, right. All I know, all I heard I had, is paid. <laughs> there was no budget. There was no nothing. Yeah. We were just doing yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, ugh. You know, you it's know amazing. I mean? Honestly, we we did as well as we did. Um, right. You know, thank God. But, you know, we could have, gosh, back then, man, we could have been, we could have been strong. Bro, many people as we were bringing the shows, we had so much leverage. Yeah. We didn't use any of it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, none of it, dude. Ah, man. Lessons learned, my friend. Lessons learned. Absolutely. So you're um, you're an incredible songwriter, um, great storyteller. Um, Man, you know, as long as I've known you, you one of my favorite things about you is is just you're like me, man. You love you're hooked by a melody that's strong. Love melody. Uh, We love a lot of the same bands for that or same singers and bands for that for that reason. But um. From a writing context, are you are you the kind of person that's just like suddenly inspired with something specific, or do you like grind things out? How do you write? Wow, man, um, man, since I was a kid, man, I just have these little things that just pop in my head. Like, I'll be walking around the house singing something, and then realize that's nobody's song. Mm. It's just I just I've always been that guy that just hums stuff. Um, or man, I, I mean, it's a gift, man. I wake up in the middle of the night and I literally have an entire song in my head. Wow. And I'll go to my little recorder and I record it, wake up the next morning and I go, wow, that's actually pretty good. I mean, I have- You keep a recorder next to your, next to the bed? I keep my phone, my nice, phone. Nice, nice. You know, and I just, I always, I'm just always ready to record. And it's funny, man, because there'll be so many nights, man, where I'm tired and I'm like, <sighs> But I get up every time and make myself do it because I remember reading this thing about Paul McCartney. He's like, he's like, I've lost so many songs in the middle of the night because I didn't get up to record it, you know, and it could have been my next big hit or whatever, you know. 
So I, it's a discipline of mine to get up and make man, sure that's that I do really it. impressive. That's really yeah. I, I always do it, man. And um, but you know, I, I wish I could say there was a a set way that I do things that I, I, I don't think. I mean, I think mostly I come up with the melody first. I just have this melody in my head, and then I'll just kind of. If you look in my um in my phone, I'll come up with these fake titles, like if it reminds me of something. Here's mm -hmm. the fears melody. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Adam Nitty Booty song, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so y'all, these are little inside jokes. Inside jokes, people. Adam has this, if you ever watch Adam when he's performing, especially when it's something funky, he's got this little wiggle that his booty does, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I would have to, on stage, stand behind this dude and see it every night. I'd be on the drum riser, you know, rocking out, Adam's up front doing his thing in his booties. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, freaking hilarious. Um, so I'll sit on these melodies, man, or if I'm really in what'll happen a lot of times, I'll, I'll record it and it'll be one or two ideas, and I'll leave it alone for weeks on end. Like I'll, I'll just move on to something else or whatever. Um, then I'll come back. And I'll go, holy crap, this is great. Then I'll take the time to really, you know, really flesh it out and, and finish the tune. But some songs may come really fast. There's some that I'll have everything, man, in a day. I'll have the words, the melody, it just all comes. There's other songs, man, take literally years to finish, man. Yeah. Literally years. Um, like New Day, um, Beehive Tune, that... Um, Mike Hartnett kind of came up with that the guitar riff thing mm -hmm. in the verse. And so I took that, ran with that, finished this tune. Now I'm thinking the song's done, right? We played it for years a certain way, right? When I got my record deal, moved to Nashville, they loved the song, but they just thought that it was too uh, redundant. Mm. So they made me, I say made me, but they strongly encouraged me <laughs> um, to um rewrite the like let's see what I do. Um rewrite the lyrics in the verse. Cause I don't know if you remember it kind of ended with uh at at the end of every line, gonna be a new day for me. Yeah. So it said it in every you know every verse and then in the chorus. And you thought it was too redundant and and so I I rewrote it um with a couple guys in Nashville and it came out good. I I do perform when I do perform and I do perform it the new way, mm -hmm. but there's a part of me that goes was it okay yeah yeah the way that it was originally you know yeah. songs are very subjective right you know yeah. it's just and um so you just i don't know man you gotta you gotta get to a place where you're happy with it um if it moves you i've gotten to the point where i'll finish it too and i let people who i respect um listen to it i let some normal people who don't really know me, listen to it. And if they're moved by it and it affects them the way it affects me, then I'm onto something. Yeah, yeah, that's um, good. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know, man. I'm, you know, all these years of writing songs, I'm still trying to figure things out, man. Cause it's, it's a, it's a writing now is, is different because you write this song then you're like, okay, so what am I going to do with this thing now? Yeah, yeah. Nope, ain't nobody buying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, Strange times, my friend. Yeah, what's your you, that you bring up a great a great topic I want to ask you about because yeah. um, 
I made what would be considered by uh, many, maybe most, uh, kind of like a a less popular decision to actually go ahead and spend the money to print physical media. I, my fan base, there's a lot of them that still really prefer to have a CD and yep. be able to you know, thumb through liner notes, have, have physical media, yes. even if they're going to throw it into, you know, a, a, a hard drive, um, right. they, they still love to have that. And, and I, I mean, I celebrate that. I think it's great, yep. but you know, the overwhelming majority of my sales, of course, come from digital and streaming. And that's yeah. just the way it is. And I had to quit fighting it one day and, and right. That, right. that's how things were. Right. Um, where do you think, I'm curious to hear where, where you think things are headed because, you know, the, even the idea of releasing a complete album is doesn't necessarily have the same right. gravity it used to have. A lot of people now are just preferring to release singles Right. And, and kind of stretch things out that way. What Man, I'd love to hear your take on, on what you think is yeah, right man. now relevant and effective. How do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, just think about some of the artists who've released albums this year, or maybe you don't even know, like Bon Jovi put an album out this year or at the end of 2020. And it, I mean, it was one day, it was, honestly, it was no more promotion. At least it didn't feel like any yeah. more promotion that I would see on your record or my record. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't even know that. You just, I right. didn't know that. I mean, this, so. it's a whole album about 2020. Okay. I mean, literally. Yeah. And um, now I'm never been a huge Bon Jovi fan, but my point is, here's this huge band, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, putting Rock this stars. album out. You know, 20 years ago, man, it would have been everywhere, and I, you know, and they put this album out. And here we are a couple weeks, two, three weeks later, and nobody cares, you know? Unreal. And um, I say nobody, but you know what I'm saying? In comparison to what it used to be, yeah. it's- The mainstream yeah. isn't trying to shove no, it down everybody's throat. Those days it's, are over, right? Yeah. So there is, there's definitely some validity to what you're saying about the, it's like, man, do I waste, like right now I'm finishing a record. And I'm asking myself, I mean, the whole time I'm recording this, I'm going, am I gonna release this all at once? Or am yeah. I gonna like, spread this out over a year and release one song at a time and just promote one tune at a time or whatever. And, and it's just a thing. And I, man, like I was telling you the other day when we were talking, you know, my biggest focus now is licensing, you know, mm -hmm. TV, movies, video games. That's, that's the best outlet that I can find for my tunes right now. Yeah. Um, um, man, I would, I would love, for music to sell more, but it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, you, we got Spotify and I, I, I use it every day and yeah. I don't, I pay my $14 a month and I can listen to anything I want to. Who, right. Who's not gonna, ugh, it sucks. Yeah. But With, I, my, I, don't know, uh, I don't know how that model could change anytime soon. Yeah, it, and if it does change, what does it become? You know, right. it's, 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 it's harder than ever. You could you could see the writing on the wall um, when the death of physical media started to to trickle, yeah, course, you know. Yeah. In um, now, it's like it's so hard to figure out. It's like okay, well, all right, we've done away with paying for music. Now we pay for access to music. That's that's yeah. the new model, right? Right. Um, where does it go? Like beyond access to music, does does music get? chipped into our brains. I mean, I just, you know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not really sure where, where it's yeah. headed, but I know from a, a consumer perspective, it feels like the whole music thing, it's, it's almost like it's become a part of the rest of the media uh, onslaught and it's just part of the noise. It's 
the the cons and this is just my personal take and i'm thinking out loud here because i'm still yeah. trying to figure this out but it really feels like it's it's become it, the the idea of a product is is disappearing and there's just there's an amassing of noise out there and you it's up to you the consumer to figure out how closely can I, I hear this part of the noise. Let me extract that out here. Let me focus on that for a second. Oh, this, I hear this noise over here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's happening with everything in terms of audio, video, um, education, you know, it's how, how we interact with the world is such on a virtual level. Does it, hit a throwback at some point, all of a sudden we're celebrating the advent of, of physical media know, man. out of the blue. It's see, so weird. What I see, and this is a whole big conversation, but what I see is ownership being taken away from you. Mm. What I mean by that is not only for writers, the creatives, you put this music out there and it, you're not, you're not being compensated for your, your, that's something that you own. That song belongs to you, right? Came out of you. That's your property, right? But you're not being compensated for that anymore. And yeah. if you are, very, very little. Right. But going beyond that, even the consumer can't own it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even yeah, absolutely. Consumer, it's like everybody now, everything is kind of, there's no ownership. It's more like everything belongs to everybody thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's this whole, that's a whole another conversation, but it's like, man, you're doing a great job of, of kind of crystallizing my just random thought because it's the access model, just in the same way we get on our smartphone or on the internet. And in a moment, it doesn't matter what we want to know. It could be right. what squirrels eat right. to the greatest right. avocado recipe of all time right. or to the latest hit from Katy Perry. It's right. there in an instant. And I hear what you're saying. It's like, we're, we're creating what just becomes a part of this big network. Yes. And there's no identity. There's no ID of ownership. It's just the information is there kind of. Yes. Thing. It's pretty heavy to think about really. Very heavy. Mm. That's great. <laughs> That's very interesting. I'm going to think more about that. Yeah. You know, and, and wh where's it going? Who's driving it? Who's yeah. driving this freaking train, man? Cause right. somebody is. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, and yeah, it's 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 pretty deep, man. When you think about it, you know, and and I honestly, man, I think pretty pretty deep sometimes, and I'll I'll overwhelm myself, and I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know my brain. I've seen you. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I think too much, man. But right. um, yeah, and well, so, that's, yeah, it's fascinating though to to think if you can kind of stomach it, you know, just sort of at a distance, try to analyze. Um, as a, as a creative, you know, uh, again, trying to figure out our, our path forward. It's like, we, you're, you're like me, you've kind of chosen a path, but it's like you're on a, a road that's curvy. You don't see where it's ultimately going. Oh, you're just, right, you're just right. kind of staying on that path. It's, it's, that's been my whole freaking journey, man. Yeah. Crazy. You know, here's the thing though. Sometimes I get discouraged about what we were just talking about, you know, yeah. about the just, put it out there and everybody owns everything kind of yeah and you know but what gets me up in the morning is the love man i just mm. i still love music so much you know yeah. i'm still such a fan and that really 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 gladdens my heart um that the music business has let me down people have let me down um 
so many things that go along with this whole music thing, but the music itself has never let me down, dude. Yeah. I can still to this day put on Anita Baker's Rapture album or Purple Rain or, you know, Gretchen Goes to Nebraska by King's X, whatever. Put these albums on, bro, and they still blow my freaking mind, man. Yeah. Yeah. They still blow my mind. It's like, I just, or, and, or when I hear it, like a new artist, man, like um, Dua Lipa. Yeah. yeah. I, dude, she's freaking great. Yeah. When I hear a new artist, man, that like, I'm like, okay, there's freaking hope, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah. she's so creative and cool. And I don't know if it's her producers or whatever, but that album is freaking great. Yeah. Or um, even some of these young guys, man, like, um, I learned um, the song Attention by Charlie Puth the other day. I was adding it to my set and I was like, this is what, this is a great tune, man. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of makes my heart smile to know that even now there's still some, some young guys out there who really want to be great, you yeah. know, and really want to do well, guys and girls, um, who really want to create some great music, you know, um, and leave their, their print, their imprint on the world, man, musically, you know, and it's just, so that's what, that's still what gets me up every day, man, is the, the love of music. I still, I'm so thankful that this is my gift, you know? Yeah. People look at me and oh, and like, oh, you play music. I'm like, it's just cool, you know? Yeah, it's cool it's to really be able to say that I, 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 I do this. And of course, there's other people who are so talented in other areas that I look at and like, I wish I could do that. But this is my, my gift and I'm really thankful for it, man. And Yeah, yeah we are fortunate. Get to jam with guys like you, you know what I mean? <laughs> man, well, it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you added that um, because, you know, it, there's, there's lots of conversations out there, uh, you know, people talking about ah, new music is horrible and, you know, it's, yeah. you know, it's kind of, it's kind of died and all that other stuff, but, but there's, there are still some, yeah, you know, man. artists out there. There are still some some things being done musically yeah. that are really, really great. It's just that, that it may take a little more effort to find it. What what's yes. to you because of all the noise, but um, that's, but a, yeah, that's it's, so it's, true. It's out there, it's for for sure. So I always, I'm always I'm always amazed when my my kids like they'll be into these artists. Like, what did you find that? And like, oh, these playlists. What? Yeah, we just found these playlists, and we just. Uh oh, sorry. You still okay. there? Yeah. Sorry, my 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 phone is dying. <laughs> no sweat, no sweat, man. Um. So <laughs> yeah, they 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 find all their artists through these playlists, like on Spotify or whatever, you know. And it's like, okay, I guess that's how they're finding music now, you know. Yeah. It's a different time, man. You just have to, you know, if you're gonna have any longevity, man, you've got to adapt, man. You yeah, have to. That's right. Adapt or exactly die, brother. Right. And um, so. You know, I, I think that you've adapted nicely, my friend. Oh, thanks, man. Likewise, um, yeah, the fact that we're having this conversation in this yeah. musical context just kind of says yes. it all. You know, yes. even though even though uh, events, recent events and things may have affected, you know, the the uh, the exact numbers in the bank accounts, you know, because of, of what what happens um, yes. as a result of a pandemic. Yes. We're still we're still doing it. Um, thank God. And uh yeah, I don't, I don't take it for granted. Yeah, man. Um, so as we draw to, to a close here, I mean, is there anything, I'd love it if, if, is there anything you want to share with people that they can check out or anything getting ready to come out or you're working, you mentioned you're working on a new record. That's yeah, exciting I mean, news. Anything else you want to draw, draw people's well, it, attention to? It's cool. Um, you know, uh, 
whenever I'm in Nashville, whatever you guys, you and Mike Whitaker and uh, the bottom 40 band, you guys will invite me to come sing with yeah. you guys or whatever. Yeah, it's a trip. And the reason I brought that up is it's cool that even though, you know, we musically, when you look listen to our albums, let's say, they're completely different, right? Mm -hmm. It's a totally different genre and all that. But there is a, um, there's a um, common ground. Um, and it, of course, our history, but there's a lot more. It's funny because I'm a huge fan of fusion, even though I could never play that music. I grew up listening to, to you know, Return of Forever and Spiral Gyro and all oh, that. Oh, yeah, stuff. man. You are totally in the know of all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. but I, I just could never do it well. You know, I could never, I, you know, a lot of people don't know I'm a bass player too, but Adam is just a whole nother level. You no, know what I'm saying? Billy I'm funkier though. Billy you know is, I'm Billy funkier. seriously is, yeah, you happens. didn't talk enough about your, <laughs> we didn't talk enough about your bass playing, but. Whatever, um, dude. But yeah. But, so, you know, if people want to go and listen to what I do, just go to billybuchanan.org slash music. Um, yeah. It's not Adam Nitty Music, it's Billy Music. But maybe you'll... <laughs> but no, man, we'll put the links here site, in the video for people. Yeah, if you go sure. to my site, though, if you guys are interested in hearing Beehive and Skin Deep, I do have all that music on my site, too. So Yeah, so yeah. I encourage all of you to to do yeah. that. And, and it's more than anything else, it gives you a chance to also hear the history behind yeah. both of what we're doing now. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's great music, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. So cool, dude. can people, hire you, you? I'm sorry. Proud of you, dude. Oh, thanks, man. Likewise. Is, can people hire you to sing on their projects? Of course, or, man. Is, is that cool? So yeah. do they get in touch with you through your website? Yeah, if you go, if you go to the website, if you go to my website, there's a contact page. Okay. Or you can just email me at booking at billybuchanan.org. Awesome, man. Yeah. So yeah, y'all heard that. Take take advantage. Like I'm telling you, with with all these players, they they've been everybody so far has been gracious enough to to offer their their services. Um, you need to take them up on it. And uh, and Billy, thank you, dude. Thank you so much for your thanks, time. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, love to you and, and your and your beautiful family. And um, looking forward to finally getting together in person again. Hopefully soon. Yeah, dude. Hopefully soon, man. Cool. All right, man. Thanks, God bro. Bless love you, man. Have a good day. Bye. Yeah, you too.